Welcome to Engage Arizona. Public policy affects all of our lives, often in very profound ways. One of Center for Arizona Policy's main objectives is to inform and educate Arizonans about what's going on at the state capitol and in local governments that impact their lives. If you care about the preborn and their mothers, your rights as a parent, what freedoms are at risk, or how new laws touch your family, we're talking about it. And we invite you to join us as we discuss the latest developments you are not likely to learn from local and national news. Join us now as we unpack the week's developments in Arizona public policy. Welcome to Engage Arizona. I'm Cindy Dahlgren here with CAP President Kathy Harrod and VP of Policy Lisa Brugg. We are talking about the policies, both local and national, that would greatly affect our daily lives, sometimes changing very basic foundational principles. First, uh, let's talk about a couple of local developments. Not a lot this week, but Governor Ducey signed House Bill 2575 yesterday. Yes, and a very important bill. During COVID, we have heard stories of um, clergy not being able to visit patients in the hospital. So the new law by Representative Wynn out of um, Prescott will guarantee that clergy, when, when the hospital allows visitors, that they can't say no to clergy. And it's and especially important that they also have to allow virtual visits. And especially for our Catholic friends, this is um, significant. Um, last rites is a sacrament in the Catholic Church, and to think that someone that is at their last stage of life and they're denied the visit from their clergyman, that is um, just not right, to say the least. So this will start to facilitate this. It's an example of a compromise bill um, to you know force the hospitals to allow people in, um, when, it, in when it's really critical. And Representative Nguyen has a that was a very, very, very personal, personal part of it, this. It's the irony of it, really, and his brother passing away and his sister-in-law passing away and he going over to California to see his brother and being denied um, being denied going in to see him. Um, it was just um, so personal to him at the end. And I think that, you know, he did a really good job holding it together and getting this bill together so that others don't have to experience possibly what he did. But he introduced this bill before that happened. I know. It, it, that's why I said the irony, and yeah. it's sad. But, um, you know, he now he has a really good ex example, uh, not a good example, but an example to go out and express why it's so important. And, um, you know, he didn't want to have to do it that way. But, yeah. Yeah. Other other happenings. So twenty six forty six. Where does that stand? Well, twenty six forty eight. Our bill on yeah on, on religion <laughs> is essential. We're still working on it. Still working out language, and this will. Um, the intent is that. Um, religious entities cannot be discriminated against um, in a pandemic and just in general, that you can't take action against a religious entity simply because they're religious. It does not protect bad actors. It does not protect unlawful conduct, but it does say that you can't, you can't, um, you can't say, oh, church, you can't be open, but Target, you can be open, or casino, you can be open, that no, you can't treat churches and religious groups differently. So a very important bill to secure religious freedom moving forward. Uh, I am hopeful that that will go to the Senate floor in the next week or so. We're also working to bring back the Parents' Rights Sex Ed Bill that Governor Ducey vetoed. Stay tuned for information on that. Uh, the budget is underway, but let's just say things are tense at the state capitol, and when you only have 31 and 16 um, on your side, just put it that way, it means that any one person, any two people um, in the House this week, there was kind of a surprise where two Republicans went with Democrats on a ballot measure that... Uh, 
let's just say, you know, people need to get along. And that was kind of a surprise. So um, things are tense. Um, we could be out of the Capitol in two or three weeks, but I think it's more likely mid to late June at this point. But it's anyone's guess. Yeah, a lot of fireworks and surprises in yeah. the past couple of days. Yeah, it's, just, it's kind of um, indicative of this session. You know, we've um, been tiptoeing around a lot because it, it just doesn't seem the cohesiveness has been there. Um, they've really, leadership's done a good job, I think, of holding everybody together when it counted. Um, yesterday was uh, an anomaly, uh, to say the least. Um, but, you know, I give them a lot of credit because it has been tense. It's been an interesting session. I, it's a tough, you know, we always say each session is unique with its dynamics and this one uh, probably more so because you had the COVID cut short session last year you have new members you have term limits that make people want to move faster and get things done more you've got a budget surplus with literally billions coming into this state from the feds as well as uh, a surplus in the state budget so that means a lot of people want to spend a lot of people don't want to spend and so th there'll be a lot going back and forth uh, continuing whether there's going to be tax reform there's significant movement to have a, a tax cut on state income taxes so we'll see what happens and obviously a matter for prayer all right. So hopefully we'll see some of our bills in the next week or so. So there's a lot going on nationally, even internationally. This next development comes out of Finland, but we could likely see be dealing with something like this here, especially if certain proposed legislation passes like the Equality Act. Authorities there charged a pastor with a crime because he wrote about biblical teachings of human sexuality. He wrote the pamphlet in 2004. They legalized same-sex marriage in 2017. But even so, that's not the point. The point is they are criminalizing the biblical teaching of marriage between one man and one woman. And that's in Finland. And so where are we here in the U.S.? Well, we've seen similar situations, I believe, in Canada, and, and certainly we know how, uh, I would say, non-religious Europe is at this point. I think it's something that we have to be on guard about. Uh, I think of a, a local pastor who for years has been saying that he expects to be in jail during his lifetime, um, That and how we're no longer the home team, that we're the away team, he is a phrase that he's used, is what it reminds me of. But this is a time where every believer is going to have a decision to make, and are you going to stay true to your faith? Are you going to stay true to biblical teaching and that we are not there yet where we have pastors in danger of what they are, that what they preach from the pulpit would put them in jail or would have them charged with a crime. But in, it, there are days where I'm not sure we're that far away from it. We certainly have seen like zoning issues with where you could have a Bible study in your home. We, you know, we've seen, you know, some of those kind of cases through the years. So that's, and we certainly see what's happening to wedding vendors still that whether you um, are going to be forced to choose between your livelihood or your faith in in your business if you're you know where people say well if you hold out for commerce then you have to take in you have to do anything that anyone asks you for so there there are troubling signs on the horizon we're not there yet but this comes back to the need to really pray for an awakening you know to pray for a revival and to pray that um the, our first amendment that the courts that the judges would continue to rule that the first amendment means that we're able to freely exercise our religious beliefs and that churches would not shrink back from the truth because when you see something like this charge against a Finnish pastor you see some of these other stories then you know some will be um, inclined to, sh to shrink back and yeah. to not not teach biblical truth on key issues and and that's not an answer for sure my yeah. biggest prayer oh, I'm sorry no, no, <laughs> Excuse go ahead. Me. I was just agreeing with her and agreeing with her so uh, my biggest prayer right now and it started yesterday is just for God to reveal these things to me I feel like we're fighting on all flanks and I don't mind that word because we have to stand up for these people. There's some of us in the game 
and we have to stand up for them because there's little fires everywhere. And um, I'm just praying that he reveals those to us and that we have the energy and capacity or the connections to go and fight for these people. Yeah, because this sort of decision sends a message of fear, intimidation. I mean, not just in Finland, but here. Right. And we were just talking about this in prayer this morning. You know, Chris, Chris is with us. Chris does audio. (laughs) (laughs) Brought up in, uh, in prayer this morning, the whole idea of we've been comfortable as Christians. And now it's, we're getting to a point where that's not necessarily going to be the case. And like you said, the the pastor in your, says that in his time, he expects to. Yeah, I guess pray to make me not comfortable. I don't necessarily thought I'd ever pray that. (laughs) It's usually the opposite. It's obedience over comfort and that we are in a battleground, not a playground. Yeah. So the LGBTQ issue is not strictly an issue of religious freedom, but also of fairness. This week, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals heard a case challenging Idaho's Save Women's Sports Act, which ensures a fair playing field for women and girls by establishing that only biological females can compete in female sports. And so there are five states that have passed this law. Uh, Idaho was the first last March, so there have been five. There are two more awaiting signatures from governors. We had one last year, but of course, COVID killed it along with everything else. Is this um, (laughs) destined for the Supreme Court? I believe it likely will be. The Idaho case in the Ninth Circuit, it will be critical for Arizona because it will have, that when the Ninth Circuit rules, it does have an impact on what happens in Arizona. It's the key reason why we did not pursue a women's sports bill in Arizona this year was because we knew that Idaho had passed last year. The Idaho law is very similar to what we did work on last year. And as you mentioned, it passed the House. Then the Senate wasn't able to consider it because of COVID shutting things down. So we thought, okay, let's see what what happens with Idaho at the Ninth Circuit. Uh, This is, you know, the the American people believe that biological males should not be able to participate in women's sports. And we know that if this continues, it will be the death knell for a lot of women's sports. Um, Because we know there's still, I'm sorry, it doesn't matter what you've done on whether you want to call it gender reassignment, gender conformity, any of those buzzwords right now, you cannot change the DNA. You don't change the muscle strength, the lung capacity, all of that of a male. um, When a male transitions to being a female, they still are male and they will have greater strength and greater athletic ability participating in women's sports. It was really interesting with um, Caitlyn Jenner coming out last week um, against it, you know, saying no, you know, biological males should not compete against girls. And I thought that was an interesting, it it was hard to wrap my head around it, but I'm glad that um, he said that because I think that it's important um, to, you know, he was an Olympian and uh, he is an athlete and he knows. Um, and it's common sense. I think that really it polls very high, like Kathy was saying. I mean, yeah, but probably he, not in California where he's running for governor. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't think that's true. I think hmm. I think at the ballot box, um, people speak their true language. It'll be interesting to see whether or not uh, he gets on I, yeah. on the ballot at all. But we'll see. Yeah, I thought it was interesting just reading some of the articles on this um, this week because the I guess the case was argued on Monday and reading a few different articles. You could see just 
I don't know. I have totally given up any credibility for news media. <laughs> Me and, too. <laughs> and you see the headlines saying, "Oh, you know this uh, this act will ban transgender sports." That's just flat out not true. It's not true. And you're a mother of a teenage daughter as well, and they're both athletes. Mm -hmm. um, they used to play with boys when they were younger because they're all little. But it's it's obvious how they transition to playing against just girls and playing against boys. They may scrimmage together once in a while for fun um, but that's just it's an obvious and and um, you know bio, biology doesn't change right and all of these bills though that are being introduced in these five laws that have passed these two others that are waiting signatures they don't ban anybody from sports they simply designate where you exactly play. exactly exactly anyway so th there was a lot of <laughs> A lot of other things I had trouble with reading some of these. <laughs> I mean, they always set up one person as the victim in all of this, and then the other person is the oppressor, and that that's just not the case. I mean, I, right. I feel for people on both sides coming from, you know, both of their perspectives, but when it comes down to it, biology, like you said, biology is biology, and it doesn't lie. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the plethora of pro-life laws passing throughout the country. I've seen a few articles on this um, lately, the abortion, the very pro-abortion Gutmacher Institute reports 536 pro-life bills that have been introduced in 46 states this year. That's Six, wonderful. I know. 61 <laughs> of them have passed so far, including ours here in Arizona. Uh, broad attention, BBC interviewed you, Kathy. What, uh, what did they want to know? <laughs> what was their angle? <laughs> like everyone, they want to know, is this all about overturning Roe versus Wade? And you know, the, this year's trend, yes, it's more bills than it's been, but we are probably in the fourth, fifth, or sixth year of significant pro-life work in the states. And the, the focus really shifting to the states and to, to see, you know, I mean, the Supreme Court has clearly said that states can regulate abortion and that they can look out for maternal health. They can look, you know, there's certain things that, you know, parameters that they can work within. So the states are moving forward to protect human life from its very beginning to the extent possible, as well as provide for the health and safety of women that are considering having an abortion. So it it has, you know, caught some interest, but I think this is where the country is, that we see polls that, you know, strong majorities still believe that there should be common sense health and safety regulations of abortion, even if you're pro-choice on abortion. And of course, I would say pro-choice is pro-abortion. There's not a distinction between the two, because pro-choice means you think abortion should be legal. But this, you know, as far as the Supreme Court goes, we are still waiting to find out whether they will take the Mississippi law that prohibits abortion after 15 weeks. There are two or three others in the pipeline. And I think a lot of people are, what is Justice Roberts going to do? Um, and they'll, you know, when they overturn the Louisiana admitting privileges law, Roberts did signal in his concurrence that he would be open to upholding other pro-life laws, at least reading the tea leaves or reading the crumbs that are in his opinion, as I say. But no one knows for sure where Justice Roberts or Justice Kavanaugh would be. And I think I, you know, I'm one that I don't think we're really at the point where the Supreme Court is going to overturn Roe. But I think it's likely that the court would allow further restrictions. And, and all of these laws still serve a purpose to show the humanity of the unborn child and that this is life and that it's a life that deserves to be protected. And that's where people have woken up um, to the reality of abortion. And besides the reality of the life of the child, 
it's that we all know women who have been hurt by abortion. And that's that's the message that we try to get over and over again that, you know, when the old slogan, abortion stops a beating heart, well, we say abortion breaks a woman's heart and abortion hurts women. And that that's what I think has gotten through between ultrasound technology. And so these laws are a reflection of that, that we know where the law has not protected women, so how can we protect women? And these laws will do that. Yeah, and it's not just the sheer number of laws, but it's also, some of them are very aggressive. They're the heartbeat belts, the pain capable, restrictions on the abortion pill and so on. And in Lubbock, Texas, uh, they voted to basically ban abortion and allow family members to sue those who are involved. So this seems to be like they're stepping up. At least some of them seem to be, okay, we want to push this and the Supreme Court might not be ready to hear it, but it seems we're, like- We're not you know, the only ones speaking boldly. It. It's, it's going all throughout the nation. Um, I think we're tired of it and we're standing up to it more and more and more. And I hope that it gets heard. Um, that would be wonderful. I think Justice Thomas, in a totally unrelated case this week, mentioned and hinted that he would be very open to it and almost welcome it. Yes. Um, so I think internally there's some talking going on. Um, and But I know a person like him wouldn't want it to come forward if he didn't feel that he had, um, you know, his colleagues on on board. Well, and that's what's interesting about this Mississippi case, because it takes four justices to vote to accept a case. Mm-hmm. And so what I always wonder when we're waiting to find out, because we've got the same thing with Arlene's Flowers out of um, Washington State on religious freedom, do the four that would take the case, do they not vote to take the case yet because they're not convinced they have a fifth? Mm-hmm. Right. And I that's have to believe that, so. they're, that they're strategic mm-hmm. and they're waiting to, to try to find out, do they have a fifth? Right. Or what's the best case to take to try to move right. the ball well, forward? Get one shot at it, I think. You know, so you've got to make sure that you have your ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. All right, so all these pro life laws come at a time when Washington is really pushing a pro abortion agenda. So the Biden administration just rolled back President Trump's protect life rule that ensured that taxpayer money would not be, uh, you know, would not pay for abortions. So this is the federal money given to family planning clinics to help low income patients. Planned Parenthood dropped out of the program when Trump signed the signed the protect life rule as you know they did that so that they did not have to give up performing abortions uh now they're back in getting 60 million dollars a year uh and so right where does this go Especially once again when forcing us to uh, pay for abortion and that is what it comes down to yeah, but they were saying like uh, three-fifths of Americans uh, do not agree with that. Yeah. yeah, I think our response needs to be 2022, that the answer to this is that we have U.S. Senate elections in 2022. Um, Arizona's own Mark Kelly will be up for um, re-election. Uh, he is going to support the pro-abortion agenda. And so that's where uh, it's it's incumbent on all of us in the states to make sure that we have a pro-life U.S. Senate and a pro-life U.S. House, because these are budget measures to some ex- to a large extent. And in the Senate, they a majority can change a budget measure. And so this is where um, the elections are important. And for people to be praying and thinking now, um, Arizona is going to have a robust um, Senate election, I oh, would yes. say. Um, <laughs> Money's being raised now. A lot of candidates are announcing. But this is, um, we've got to have this be a two-year period only, have the states keep pressing forward as much as we possibly can, and then have the elections next year stop the Biden administration in its tracks. Well, the, the administration says that there, there won't be any federal money going to abortions. Yeah, uh-huh, you know, that's a joke. And, and, and they've tried to say that. On. They say they separate years. the money. Right. Yeah, but every, every dollar... 
yeah, every dollar that goes for family planning or whatever program frees up a dollar for abortions. And it also provides a, a patient stream. So a woman who goes to Planned Parenthood for, say, birth control pills, then if she is unexpectedly pregnant and wants an abortion, Planned Parenthood is right there to help her. And so it's it's a misnomer that, that any federal funding does not support the abortion side of any abortion clinic or abortion entity. It absolutely does. All right. So remember the uh, videos from the Center for Medical Progress back in 2015 that caught Planned Parenthood executives, right, and talking about uh, selling aborted baby body parts for profit. Well, now David Daleiden just released another video showing evidence of government uh, sponsored fetal experimentation at the University of Pittsburgh and Planned Parenthood working together. Um, Did you guys see that video? What did you what did you think? Uh, I'm, you know, it turns my stomach to even think about it, to think of of humanity, that we are here. Um, There is no, you know, put ethics aside, there's no morality in it. And um, where's the soul of America if we're going to be doing these sorts of things? Um, This is, again, this is a fight. And I just, I'm so glad that these things are being revealed so that people can stand up to them. Um, You know, sometimes they say they do the worst things in the dark at night. They don't anymore. They do it in plain daylight. And a lot of us turn the other way because it's confrontational or it's controversial and we just want to be peaceful. Um, it, it's just sad and we've got to stop. I, I'm guilty as anyone else of looking the other way once in a while mm-hmm. and just saying, you know what, I don't have time to deal with that right now. Mm-hmm. I have a lot going on in my own life. I've got this. I've got no. Mm-hmm. Stop. Please, Lord, reveal to me where these things are happening so that we can send people to stand up and fight against them. And this just turns my stomach. That's really what I have to say about it. Well, in in an Arizona law, that's not allowed. And even the 1457 that just passed even clarifies further that you cannot use aborted fetal remains for research purposes. But the problem is, as um, Lisa was saying, is revealing it and uncovering it. And that's the tremendous work of David Delighton Center for Medical Progress, because they're doing these things. And until light shines on it, we often don't know what's going on. Enforcement of laws is a far bigger challenge than passing the law in so many ways. And I think because we work in this we're familiar with what's going on and all the details and stuff when we overlook it i don't think a lot of people understand the the grotesque things that are going on and they don't want to believe it so they see one of these videos and they don't believe it Mm -hmm. but uh it's well uh cited and researched and uh, we'll have a link for it on fmf so uh, people can see it if they want to because we're not going to discuss details here yeah it's uh, it's it's a big issue and it's progressively getting worse um and you know this is just one example i think it's going on in a lot more places so all right, so it was, I hate to turn from something like this to something light, but we have to end on a light note. We always do, so our sort of kicker for today is way off topic. <laughs> this is uh, something that was in the paper earlier this week. And uh, so an ASU law professor and an animal rights activist, she says, quote, the law should allow animals to own land just as you and I can. Oh. Yeah, I opened up my Sunday paper for some strange reason. I still take the Sunday paper. And I kind of had it on the counter. I looked down and I saw that headline and the copy of the ASU professor. And I'm like, 
huh? <laughs> I mean, yeah. how, does, how does a dog or any kind of animal yeah. make a decision to sell the property or how do they sign a deed or, I mean, all these kind of things. And I'm like, okay, this has gone so incredibly far that this is one of the most absurd things I've ever seen or heard or anything else that, um, that you're going to co-own property. I mean, we see a lot of dog lovers, a lot of animal lovers and things that are happening that you kind of, oh, that's interesting. But this one is like, okay, the, wait a minute, how much are our taxpayer dollars funding this ASU professor's salary is the other thing that I thought. So anyway, so when, just when you think things are weird, um, they just get yeah. a little bit more weird. I don't think my horse would do a very good job shepherding <laughs> my property. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, what happens when there's a land dispute? I win. I mean, I guess that's when the hunting laws kick in. <laughs> You're the managing partner and the general, general right. partner and everything. CEO. Yeah. What kind of will is there for that? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I love animals. Don't get me wrong. Oh, don't we love them? Of course. But, but goodness gracious, we're yes. going over over the edge here on this one. <laughs> right. Sometimes you just have to laugh. All right. Yes. We won't yeah. talk animals next week. We will talk <laughs> policy. All right. See you guys next week. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Engage Arizona, public policy for daily life. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe rate, and give a review on any podcast platform you use. For more information, visit azpolicy.org.